James, I have a question for you. Sure. Will you please ask me a question of the day? Absolutely. Are we rolling? Uh, Jay, are we rolling? That's the sound of uh, audio magnetic tape going through sprockets. We are rolling. I never know. All right, I have a question for you. Is that like a drum roll or? That's no, a 35 millimeter projector. That's, that's very good. It's kind of like what you And you remember when it went haywire at the end? I don't, you're far older than me, so <laughs> I have no clue what you're talking about. I do have a few years' experience on you, it turns out. So, it's, I feel like since I've been like 30, it's very hard to retain friendships. People change careers, they get married, they move away, they have kids, they, they get busy. But you and I have managed to retain a friendship largely because we get together every week, two weeks, three weeks, or however long, in some cases it's been months, and we play backgammon. Do you think in general... It's good for people to get good at games, or you think it's damaging? It's a waste of time. So, like, for instance, many parents would argue it's damaging for their kids to play games. What kind of parents are they? I don't know. Crazy parents. Not, certainly not <laughs> me, for instance. I wish my kids would play more games. Huh. I wish my kids would play more games with me, actually. Like, I want them to play chess or checkers with me, but they they just they have no interest. So, basically, I'm a stand-in for your children. Exactly. Who won't play with You're you. You're like my child. <laughs> I am your father. I appreciate that. So games, interestingly, you say my kids don't like games anywhere near as much as I do either. And I, too, wish my kids would play more games with me. My kids are now 15 and 14. My son, Solomon, and I, we will often play FIFA, which is, in my limited experience, easily the best video game ever invented or ever possible to invent. It's a great, great, great game. But let me ask you this, though. I feel like classic games in general, not video games, but board games, board games, Actually, increase discipline as you learn them, increase intelligence, or at least take advantage of other areas of intelligence that we don't normally use. Uh, Either that or the people who are disciplined and intelligent that you know like board games a lot, and therefore you're assuming that it's causal. I don't don't know, because the process of getting good at a game, not shoots and ladders, which is all (laughs) luck, but the process of getting good at a game requires you to speak the language of that game and, and to lo- it's almost like learning another language. I would it, I would love to know the answer to that. We did a little Freakonomics Radio report on the ROI of learning a second language. And ROI measured in terms of like career earnings, right? And it turns that's out an interesting question. Yeah, uh, pretty basic. No, so here's the way I would frame that um, or here's the way we did frame that. Almost every person in America who goes to school, which is to say everyone, spends at least some time acquiring a second language. Acquiring is maybe um, an overstatement, but studying a second language. Yeah, I took five years of France, and I can only say You can't even say French. I don't even know how to say hello. How how do you say hello in French? (laughs) Bonjour. Oh, I just said it. So I didn't know bonjour. I thought... That was like good luck or something. Right. No, um, that would be Mazel Tov. Um, so um, bon chance would be good luck. Very like, good. Yeah. yeah. So if you acknowledge that someone like you took five years of French and retained, you know, let's say, you know, 0.001%. A, a trivial amount, right? So then the question is, what's the opportunity cost? What could you have studied or done instead? Um, but then some people say, well, um, learning a second language does change your brain in a number of ways. So the research does seem to indicate 
that learning a second language does indeed change your brain in some positive ways. But learning anything, you can argue that. Very good point. But the overarching question of what's the ROI on language, for an American to learn a second language from a from a financial long-term financial payoff um, perspective is almost zero. But boy, it, how do you define if, learning? Like did I learn French in your def- in your definition well, of learning? Well, I don't know how you would fit in the data honestly. I'd have to go back and look at the research. Like, like I would say learning a language means you can have a 20-minute conversation with a native. Yeah, I honestly I don't know what the criteria were and there were a bunch of studies on it, but basically if you're American, there's almost no ROI in learning a second language. See, see but what? but if you come from a non-English speaking country, learning English has a large ROI, which is not that surprising because as we know, the world of What's the language of commerce? Business, yeah, it is indeed. But it's like, a world of everything. But like uh there's a book Super Better by Jane McGonagall. Have you read that? No, but I love the title, Super Better. Super Better and it's about it's about how learning games could increase various other attributes in your life. So I'd, I'd love to. Is it newish? It's newish, yeah, like in the past year. Yeah, we did a podcast with a guy who wrote a very different kind of book called How to Win Games and Beat People, where he— um, Wait a second. Didn't you and I discuss that very idea for a book back in 2002? Gonna, I think you, not you and I. I think you, you, I think wanted to write a book with a chapter of like how to be how to how to, how win, to win every win. single yeah, game. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, okay, that's what was true. That, what was his book about? Well, so his book it's called How to Win Games and Beat People's Name. I believe is Tom Whipple. He's a British journalist, a, a science journalist, and the twists on it are that he doesn't include any of the hard games. Right. So there's no chess. There's not even backhand, which isn't that hard. So basically, anything that's really truly hard and uh, and about which there are many books already dedicated, he left them out. They tended to be simpler games. But the upside is the people he consulted to optimize the winning strategies were good and interesting people. So, like for Jenga, for instance, you know Jenga, the wooden blocks yeah, you yeah. make a tower. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's not much of it. Whatever. It's a. It's kind of a cross between a toy and a game. He talked to both, you know, a structural engineer and the inventor of Jenga to get kind of optimal strategy. Um, For Hangman, actually Hangman is aided by software um, that can look at letter frequency, but also after you've gotten the first hit, how the letter frequency changes and so on. So that was fun. It was a fun conversation because it shows you the many ways you can take even a relatively simple game like Battleship or Hangman or Connect Four and come up with – it's not just about the strategy to get good. It's about – thinking about how to come up with good strategy to get good. So to that end, I would have to say that I agree with you, and I hate to do this, agree with (laughs) you. But yeah, I would say that game learning is valuable because you learn a lot of things, as you said, along the way, kind of an idiom or a language, a set of rules, a process, interaction, da-da-da-da-da-da. And yeah, I wish more people would play more games But here's the interesting thing, like... Whenever we go through a period where we're just playing for years and years and years, we just meet and play, I notice neither of us really get better, or I don't feel like I get better. You uh, know, I'd like to know. I think my ELO rating has gradually been increasing over time because we can't. it's hard for us to measure against each other because there's no constant. I only also, feel, mm-hmm. in the beginning, I would argue you were substantially better than me. But right, but then I would say you were getting deliberate practice. You know, Anders Ericsson's deliberate practice. You had a teacher, in some sense me, because I was significantly better at that time. And so I was giving you feedback 
on every game and every move, you would ask me questions and I would get feedback. And that's part of deliberate practice, having a teacher, getting uh, instant feedback and trying to improve. So you were trying to improve by also going on the back end and server, playing the computer and so on. You were getting feedback from me and a teacher from me. Now we're kind of equal. And so you don't have the teacher Although anymore. Although you've pulled ahead because you've been studying again. Yeah, I studied a tiny bit, and that allowed me to pull ahead. You always have to do deliberate practice. It can't you know just what, be you playing. Know what, you know what I did? We're going to play today after we finish taping here. You know what I did is I turned off um, Clues on my Backgammon New Jersey app for the past few weeks. I don't have Clues on either, and I yeah, play at well, expert I, level. I had Clues on on expert level because I wanted to learn. But what I found is that the Clues were acting as a little bit of— um, Like a crutch. Yeah, have you ever heard of the Peltzman effect? It's no. called um, after a guy named Sam Peltzman, who I believe is an economist by training, who argued that making cars safer made people drive more recklessly. Now, it's a, it's a, that actual relationship is very hard to argue in an ironproof way because people care about their own safety. So it may be that you endanger other people more. But hard to argue that you really endanger yourself a lot more. But the fact is, is that safety measures can some, sometimes make it more dangerous. Like another good example of this is football helmets. Football helmet was designed to protect the wearer against injury. But what happened over time is the wearer, realizing that he or she was protected from injury, began to use a helmet as a weapon to hurt other people, which is one of the reasons that people get hurt so badly in football is the helmet is a projectile on, on the end of a human. So when you have a kind of out, a safety measure that you think is keeping you safer, then it's possible in some cases to get more reckless. And with the backgammon clues on, I felt like I was trying, I was thinking about every move, but I knew that if I made a bad move, the hint light would light up mm. and I'd kind of be rescued and I might win a game that I otherwise wouldn't have won. And I realized that even though I'm just playing a computer game, it's more fun to win than lose, even when the stakes are zero. And so in turning it off, I've had to pay stricter attention to every single uh, move and when we play today, we'll find out if maybe that's given me a slight uh, well, improvement. All right, James, this question is pretty under control. We don't really need to buy any time. But that said, we'll have the answer right after this break. I want you to imagine yourself in a situation. You've graduated college, been working at your job for the past few years. Now you want to try to break out on your own and become an entrepreneur, but you don't have the business knowledge to do so. So you decide, okay. I'm going to go to grad school and get an MBA. Then you realize that you haven't taken a standardized test since your SATs back in high school, which might be four to 10 to 20 years ago, and you don't have the time to attend any test prep classes. I know for myself, I would completely fail any standardized test that I would take right now. Enter Magoosh, the company that over 1.5 million prospective test takers have chosen to prep for their tests online whenever and wherever they want. Magoosh provides online test prep for a wide array of tests, including the SAT, the ACT, GRE, GMAT, LSAT, TOEFL, and Praxis. Magoosh offers a better solution than the traditional prep model, affordable and effective test prep that is 100% online. You can log in anytime, anywhere, on your computer, tablet, or phone to study when you want, where you want. If you get stuck on a problem or concept, Magoosh offers friendly email help from their team of expert tutors. 
Magusha's complete test prep starts at under $100 and will be even lower after you hear our special discount. To top it all, Magoosh guarantees you'll improve your score or they'll give you your money back. Join the 1.5 million students who have chosen Magoosh. Go to Magoosh.com, that's M-A-G-O-O-S-H.com right now and get 20% off with code QUESTION at checkout. Thanks, Magoosh, for your support. Prep smart, go far, enjoy the ride. I'll tell you the one time a couple months ago where I had dinner with a world champion level player at Backgammon and we sat there for about an hour and what I did was I played the computer and this guy, his name was Peter, analyzed every single move I made and then I played you like two days later and I crushed you that day. There was a definite kind of lingering effect of having an actual lesson with quote-unquote deliberate practice that helped me. Now I think I'm back down to to earth. I need to have like another lesson. But I think it's not just playing games. You have to really sort of learn with deliberate practice with like a teacher and read books and, and study. And I think the evidence shows that that actually is what sort of uh, uh, changes the brain more than rather than just playing. So do you see, are you saying that you wish more game playing happened because it's fun and social and helps people learn and develop, et cetera, et cetera? Or do you just think that you love it be- as a kind of means of self, self-advancement self or self-improvement? Both, because I think there's a pleasure in not just playing a game with somebody, but also getting good enough where you understand the subtleties and the nuances of bad versus good play. So I think that in itself is a pleasure. It's like It's like looking at classical music and understand and listening and hearing better so that you understand oh this composer just did yeah. x y and z and that makes my uh, uh, hearing of the music much more pleasurable also it's a nice analogy by the way w- when when you're good at a game there's a social aspect that's worldwide i can i remember going to argentina and going to buenos aires showing up at the local chess club and just by saying what my ranking was they ushered me right in and suddenly mm-hmm. i was playing the junior champion of Argentina, like I was, even though none of us spoke the same language, I was part of the the family there. So that when you when you get good at something, and you can only get good through this so called deliberate practice, it's it becomes more social. Have you ever known a chess player who is excellent without working very hard? No, not really. I I'm not a big believer in talent. I mean, I think people start off maybe at different levels. Nobody starts off great, but people might start off better than some. And that's like the ignition. You know, the ignition might turn on the car, but you still need oil to really drive. And and that's the skill. And and that takes time and effort. The one thing about game playing that is um, limiting and frustrating is the inability to, like, uh, you know, amend the Constitution to change the rules. And so I, so I haven't, I'm not a huge game player. I was, you know, when I was a kid, I played a lot of games, but just because it was around and I, it was something I could con my older brothers and sisters into doing. I just wanted to spend time with them. But the games, most of the games that I played, there wasn't that possibility of amendment, which to me is fun because then it becomes a little bit more like real life. Like if you can't persuade, if you can't get this process to happen because it's not within the rules of the game, well, what if we change the rules by being able to buy some kind of, you know, um, dispensations? Like with Monopoly, when we played it in my family, we had a, a lot. In fact, this one night, marathon night with two of my brothers. This was when I was in my 20s already, but we got we we still like to do this when we get together. We had this one or two marathon nights of Monopoly where we'd play to like four or five in the morning and, and a long series of off-the-books rules 
that were so good. And also, I think we were drinking. So we were convinced that we had made the game like 10 times better. And unfortunately, we didn't memorialize all the rules. We didn't we didn't write them all down. So some of them we retain. But to me, that's like the ultimate of game playing is that if it can also help you not just do the things we mentioned, learn the rules, da-da, 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 but also find a way to be creative within and expand the context. I would like to do that, for instance, with backgammon. Well, backgammon, you know, in Greece is played with three different rules, of which the rules we play is just one of those rules. Have you played those versions? Yeah, yeah. In uh Maybe we can try that, because no offense, you're boring me a little bit with our backgammon play, James. I'd like to spice things up. Well, let's play chess next time. Mm, you or know, checkers. Let's okay, play checkers. Here's the question. If you and I were to play chess, and I don't even, I know so little about chess, I don't even know how to ask the question properly. How many moves would it take, maybe, for you to beat me? Um, I don't know, but I, I, you can also ask, um, what's the percent chance uh, you can beat me. Oh, and it, I'm not gonna. I'm, there's a I bell would, curve. It's zero to measure that. Yeah, I'm never gonna beat you. So how many moves? I don't know. It just depends on what I play. Give me, give me a, give me a. L- let's pretend that you're playing to win. Well, do you probably, beat me in eight moves? Probably within that number of moves, it won't be checkmate, but I'll know that I'm winning. Mm. So okay, let's let's think of it this way. After backgammon, we've played backgammon for 15 years. Are you sick of it? I'm not sick of it, but what's one more game we could play? What's our next game? Checkers, Scrabble. What do you want to play next? Um, Jenga. Podcast conclusions. James and I have many more questions to ponder. We're going to tell you what we'll be talking about next time. But first... Thanks to Magoosh for sponsoring today's episode. Magoosh's online test prep is the easiest way to prep for the GRE, GMAT, LSAT, SAT, the ACT, TOEFL, or Praxis. Magoosh offers top quality lesson videos and practice questions at an affordable price. Go to magoosh.com, that's M-A-G-O-O-S-H.com right now to get 20% off with code QUESTION at checkout. Join us next time on Question of the Day, which will sound something like this. My question for you today is is the following, which is, what is the most entertaining Olympic event to watch and why? The most entertaining Olympic event. And now you could answer this question empirically. We could look at ratings, which I might have a few numbers handy. Well, you know, you know, you could do it subjectively. 